LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, kind of, today. <laughs> kind of. On the kind intro of. and the outro, you're the host. On the intro and outro, <laughs> I'm a host. Otherwise, it's uh, it's Sans Todd. Yeah. I like how you're bringing out your en français. Uh, yes, I did that for you, Canadian boy. Well, I was in Canada over Christmas. And when this podcast goes live, I'll be in Canada again for a couple of days. So, um, and I read an interesting article this morning about seven people have died in donation bins in Canada <laughs> this year. This year, I you know where you donate clothes. Yeah, for like, I have never heard of that. Uh, look it up; it's a real thing. I don't know what it says about your country. Maybe it's really cold, and people need more clothes. <laughs> Or maybe they stuck something in they didn't want to actually give or something. I don't know, oh, but man. it's bad. That's it's really bad. <laughs> All right, random fact for you today. Well, today yep. we have a special guest, Ken Coleman. He is the host of the Ken Coleman Daily Show. It's a radio show. And also, um, many of you might have listened to the Entree Leadership Podcast. Uh, we've had a lot of Ramsey personalities on. Uh, we love what they're doing there. And... Uh, it's it's going to be a great interview on leadership. I mean, this guy lives, breathes, and eats leadership like us. So. He's a great dude, too. Yeah, yeah, awesome. So before we get into the interview, this upcoming March, we have a fast, not fascinating, well, it is fascinating, Yes. but a really exciting event coming up in Orange County. So, you know, you've heard Beware of the Ides of March, and Beware of Missing the Ides of March in... California because it's all about leading change. So mm-hmm. if you've got something that you're leading, it could be a major change or a semi-major change, or you know it's coming and you want to prepare for it. Maybe it's not this year, but it's coming up soon. You need to come to this event because it's going to walk you through practically how to manage that change, but not a bunch of theory. We're actually going to put pen to paper and make sure you walk out with a plan. Yeah, so the biggest difference between listening to talks or reading a book about change and this conference is that it's not a conference. It's a coaching event. So over two days, you're going to you know, come with an idea saying, okay, this is what we need to do in regards to change. This is what we need to change. And you're going to leave with a 90-day action plan. And some of you, it might be longer. You might leave with multiple 90-day plans that you need to implement. <laughs> but um, you're going to leave with a plan because we're going to coach you toward that. So that's, I mean, if you, if you want results, you're going to leave with results. Yeah. And we wanted to do that too, because, you know, over the last several years, as we've walked people through pipeline, we walked through people with, uh, with other things that they're trying to implement. It is that point of implementation where people have the most struggle. Mm. And so we want to make sure that it's carried to completion and that we help you do that. Yeah. So all you got to do to learn more about it is text the word blueprint to the number 888-111 and we'll send you information about our March 13 to 15th blueprint coaching event. That's 888-111. Thank yeah. you for not saying triple eight triple one, Daniel. <laughs> well, you, you know, you said it right there. So oh, there you otherwise you can go to leadership.lifeway.com and, and learn more about the information there. Well, without further ado, let's listen in to the interview. Thanks for being on the podcast, Ken. It's good to be with you, Daniel. I'm looking forward to it. Man, this is this is fun for me. I know Todd 
and and you have connected in the past and uh, Brad Lominick, mutual friend, has been on the podcast a ton of times. But I remember when podcasting was just getting started and uh, I was using iPods and downloading, syncing from my Mac the, a lot of the <laughs> sermons and I, and I came across the Catalyst podcast. And that's when I first, I think what that was like 12 years ago. Probably more than oh, that. Man, I think so. I think that that's <laughs> probably right. I I hate that it sounds that long ago, but I think that's correct. So it's fun to uh, finally be on with you and and have a conversation with you about leadership. Well, I'm excited about it. Fantastic. Well, Ken, how about you? Uh, before we get into the first question, why don't you just share with our listeners? Because uh, many of them probably are familiar with your voice through that, um, through the times you've hosted Catalyst and also through the Entree Leadership podcast. But why don't you uh, catch up our listeners on, on what's new in Ken Coleman's life? Yeah, so I am so blessed to be working with Dave Ramsey as uh, what he calls Ramsey personalities. Uh, Dave has a uh, very clear succession plan. And uh, the people that are listening in here in the church world uh, if they've paid any attention over the last three, four decades, that's not something that church leaders and quite frankly, business leaders do very well. When you have these big uh, iconic personalities, whether it be a pastor or a CEO, uh, succession doesn't usually go very well. And Dave, who's been blessed with a massive tribe and massive influence over the last 26 years, has gotten very serious about the next season of his life and wants uh, Ramsey Solutions to live on past him. Mm. And part of that strategy is to find some men and women who can be message bearers uh, in different categories, obviously money, uh, career, marriage, and and leadership, and so forth and so on. And so it's an ongoing strategy. And so that's the quick context by which uh, I am working with Dave. I am uh, focused on helping people discover what they were born to do and then how to get there. So the reality is, is that I'm the career voice in that space, career, okay. personal growth, things of that nature. So as a result, uh, I have uh, a couple of hats that I wear uh, right now. Uh, and for the last four years, I've been the host of the Entree Leadership Program. Which is a uh, fantastic it, podcast. It's, yeah, it's so fun. And and it, I'm just a steward of that position. Hmm. We're really praying for a great leadership personality uh, to come into that space. And I think eventually uh, that person would take over uh, that program, but I really enjoy it. Those who may know me from Catalyst know that I, my first love is, is really sitting down with, with people and just learning about them. I love to mm. ask questions. And so I still host the Entree Leadership Program, one of the top leadership podcasts in America. And then uh, a year and a half ago, we launched the Ken Coleman Show which is the dream for me uh, to have a caller-driven show, just like the Dave Ramsey Show. And uh, I'm helping people get the clarity on who they are, who they were created to be uh, by the creator. And then as they know who they are, they begin to realize, okay, I can figure out what it is I'm supposed to do. And that's answering that big why question, that purpose question that all people long for. So that's what we're doing every day on SiriusXM. That's been, a, again, a dream come true daily Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, channel 111 on Sirius XM, leading into the Dave Ramsey show. That's fantastic. So, um, that's what I'm doing day to day. Just finished a book. Uh, we'll, that'll come out in May. It's entitled The Proximity Principle. And uh, so just a lot of things going on. We're going to be going into syndication on terrestrial radio. That's your FM AM dial. Uh, and so <laughs> I love that, that title, terrestrial radio. <laughs> 
What's that? I love the I love I love that term terrestrial radio. Yeah, that's, an, that's I guess it's an insider term. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know, we live in a different world now. So you know, you've got podcast, of course, and you've got uh, your satellite radio with Sirius XM with that merger, and then good old fashioned radio is called terrestrial radio. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, <laughs> so can in in your journey over the years of um, just doing a lot of interviews and in now working with Ramsey Solutions and and in writing, I'm sure you're learning a ton. Uh, who these days are you learning from? Well, I have to start with Dave Ramsey. I mm. mean, what an unbelievable opportunity to just learn from somebody who's modeled the way for so long and done it so well and continues to model the way. Mm. Uh, I remember one of the first Catalyst conference I went to, they had Jim Kuzis there, uh, who wrote the Leadership Challenge, yeah. which is probably most of your audience has read that or heard of it. And one of the key things is modeling the way and, and young leaders, leaders who are middle-aged and even older leaders still need to have somebody that models the way for them, whether they're alive or, or, they're, or they're since gone. Mm. Um, how do we keep ourselves in a position of continual growth? Well, one of the ways is to constantly be looking to someone emulating someone who leads the way that you want to lead in a variety of different ways. And there needs to be multiple people like that. So Dave Ramsey, I'm learning from, because again, I get to sit on his show with him on a regular basis. I do guest host the Dave Ramsey show a good bit. I've done it close to 50 times. Mm. And uh, so that's been huge to watch him. I watch how he leads meetings. I watch how he makes leadership decisions. I watch how he addresses our entire team of 800 plus people. Uh, uh, every Monday morning. Um, so I, I watch everything. I watch how he's on stage. I watch how he interacts with the fans that come to see him every day. So he is somebody that I'm, and, and again, he has a, a, a caller-driven radio show. So yeah. I am constantly learning from Dave Ramsey. I don't know that I will ever stop learning from him. Uh, because of the nature of my work, there's a big psychology background to what I'm doing, Daniel, every day. It's mm. We have a simple construct on the show we could talk about later, but we, we simply look at what you do best and what you love to do most. Talent, passion. God created everybody with talents that can be developed in the skills. Hmm. He also created desires. The Bible says the desires of our heart. That's how that is, is really introduced. The word passion uh, has kind of been developed from that, but that's what that is. And, and all that is God given. So we look at helping people use what they do best to do what they love to do most. Now, Outside of that, though, there are so many wounded people yeah. that have fallen off the path or have never truly discovered who they are because of of just this fallen world we live in. So there's so much psychology stuff that that uh, I naturally deal with with my listeners and the callers. So I'm constantly reading psychology studies, uh, books, experts, because I need to know the science behind what's going on in the head because it's a big part of the conversation. So always reading that stuff. Um, I'll give you two books I'm learning from right now, mm -hmm. uh, because I think we always got to be learning from, from books. And uh, I'm reading, he's a good friend of mine, and he gave me the books uh, a while ago, and I just picked it up at the end of, of the year. Uh, but it's Mark Batterson's book, Whisper, How to Hear the Voice of God. Yeah, okay. And I just feel really challenged in my life and the pressure that I'm under to... Um, to, to be the best me for the audience that God's given me and uh, grown up in the church. And, and I just, I felt like this is a book I really need to dive into to make sure that I'm constantly hearing everything God's saying to me. 
And it's a great book. So I'm learning from my pal, Mark Batterson, on that particular topic. And then I, I, I always say this when I get a chance to talk to leaders or influencers. Uh, I learn from biographies. Uh, I just think there's so much to be learned from reading about accomplishment and women and their journey. Mm. And so right now I'm reading uh, Alexander. Uh, it's, it's called Hamilton by Ron Chernow. Of course, oh, yeah, it's been yeah. turned into the massive blockbuster Broadway hit. But it comes from the book that Ron Chernow is one of the most celebrated biographers in America. So again, I'm learning from Alexander Hamilton's life. I mean, yeah. there's something to be learned. So that, that would be my short list. No, that's so good. Uh, I mean, biographies are something that I think every year we need to all at least read a couple of them. And, and you know, they you can go, you know, all the way back to historical figures, uh, mm -hmm. even to contemporary individuals. I just, over the Christmas break, I, I read through Tiger Woods, the new biography on Tiger Woods. Yes, I've read that. Yeah, and it's just, read. yeah, it's, you know, you you just hear so much about, I mean, obviously he's changed the game of golf and he's he's still doing it, but it, just to see the progression of his life and the impact of um, that his dad had on him and, and his grandfather had on his dad and, and, you know, just all the way through, it was just fascinating to see and, and be like, okay, well, what can I learn from that? Mm-hmm. So well, as you're continuing to learn... Um, Let me say this real quick because yeah. you just brought up a good point. Mm -hmm. Anybody reads that book, one of the things that you, you, you got to be careful of is trying to always learn from somebody who uh, may have a squeaky clean image. Hmm. And I just think we got to be really careful about that. And I read that book and there's some pretty dark stuff in there, some yeah. pretty crazy stuff in there. Mm. And of course, he had a big fall from grace. But there's so much to be learned there. And I'm reminded some of the great men of God and men of the Bible who had a pretty dark part of their biography as well. So I'm glad you brought that up. And I think that's important that we, we are able to consume stuff, you know, that is not always, you know, the, the, uh, the lighthouse type person, you know, who's yes. just flawless. Yeah. I just think it's important that we, we read some of the dark, scary stuff to remind us that it can happen to us. So true. That's so true. So right now in your leadership, um, what would you say the main point of emphasis is? I love that question. And I want to try to answer it purely because I love the way it was worded. And, and I, so I, I, I tried to really apply it to where I'm at right now. And I think mm. I'm going to pull out one thing uh, for me, cause it's leading me. I don't, I don't lead a team in a traditional sense. I do have a team that I work closely with on the show, but I'm not in a traditional leadership position. I'm more in a influential leadership position. Mm. And for me, it's consistent progress. I think that's the, that's my main point of emphasis. I love how you worded the question. And in 2019, it's about consistent progress. Okay. And specifically, just to kind of teach on that briefly, for, for me, it's like, okay, I've got to be growing. And I've got clear areas where I'm working on growth. Then I want to see the audience grow. And I don't mean numbers per se. I mean, obviously, I want to see that happen. But I want to be seeing the feedback on social media and the show's email. I got three great emails this morning, just so encouraging. But it's all about the steps that the audience members are taking and they're growing. So if I'm getting feedback from the audience that they're growing and making progress as a result of how I'm equipping them and how I'm encouraging them, man, we're going to win. 
Do you see what I'm saying? And yeah. so I'm not as focused on how big the audience is right now. Although it's 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 I got a national show and, and the podcast has been rated, you know, on the top of the charts in the personal growth career space. But the reality is, is that I need to keep my head focused on is the audience themselves growing? Yeah. And if the audience is growing, the numbers will take care of themselves. Yeah. And then no, the third good. piece is brand growth. Obviously, that's a part of the deal. We, we, we believe in what we're doing. We are not ashamed to say, hey, the show is helping folks. And it, there's no show like it in America that's focused on this topic. And it's caller-driven, just getting right to the point. So, the, and so in those three specific professional goals, my growth as a host, my growth as a thought leader, the audience's growth and the brand's growth, um, I, I can lose my mind if I'm not careful mm. because I'm so driven, so competitive, so goal oriented that it, it, I need to be focused on consistent progress. I need to keep my head down and daily do what I can do yeah. and let God take care of the rest of it. The team that's working around me, Dave, the leadership, they've got a plan. They're thinking about it. And, and if I can just keep focused on those three things on what I can do, daily, then I think that's, it's about longevity for me. I, you know, everybody thinks that the big burst on the scene, Daniel, let's just be real honest for a moment. Hmm. That's real sexy to people. And everybody loves that, you know, oh, this guy burst on the scene and man, he's growing like, you know, he's like a rocket ship right now. Hey, listen, I'd love to see that happen. But here's what I do know, that consistent progress over time is going to get me to the exact same spot that the rocket ship will get me. Oh yeah. And even the rocket ship story, you know, that's just, everyone has just discovered them, but that person has been grinding away. <laughs> hey, you just said it 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> I started my first broadcast uh, on a microphone uh, was shortly before that catalyst podcast episode that you heard. And it was doing high school football play by play on the internet. No I was in a broadcasting class with a bunch of 20 year olds. That's awesome. I'm 31 years old. And the first time I ever did anything live on a mic was was that high school football play-by-play. -play. And two people were listening, Daniel. The kid next to me in the booth and my wife at home, who's just a great lady and wanted to make me feel good. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's so good. I, I love how you put it with the consistent progress and in, in developing yourself and, and developing others. A lot of our listeners know, um, I mean, we've talked about this in the past, on the show here, but, um, I'm a Gallup strengths finder coach and, and I mean the, the five themes and just the whole assessment. I mean, it's not obviously the only one out there, but, but that assessment has been, um, pretty transformational in my leadership. And, and two of my themes are learner and developer. And, and I was like raising my hands up and being like, yeah, can I completely agree with you? Cause for me, if I'm not learning, I see myself as a car and my learner theme, if I'm not learning, uh, my car won't go because learner is pretty much my gas. And I've had to learn that pretty early on, especially with the podcasts we host here and in the work that I do. I'm giving a lot. I'm producing a lot. And I've realized that there will come a point and there has come a point where I'll just uh, dry out and I'll be recycling material. I'll be recycling content if I'm not continually growing. And I think for all leaders, it's easy to get to that point where, hey, to become a leader, yes, you do need to learn. But once you're there, it's easy to get, it's easy to, you know, grow stagnant and to stop learning and just live off um, all that you've learned in the past. Mm -hmm. That's right. Absolutely right. That's well said. I've been able to interview some of the top coaches in America and I was blown away 
uh, how they would share stories of how they're connecting with younger, less accomplished coaches in their industries every off season, learning new plays, new techniques, things like that. These are legends and they're continuing to learn. Yeah, completely, completely. So, so Ken, when it comes to your daily rhythms, right? So do your daily rhythms in life, your daily rhythms in leadership, what are, uh, let's say two or three things that you just find yourself absolutely having to do daily and what benefit do they have on your life and your leadership? Yeah. So, uh, this is based on my personality. I am not the most self-disciplined person on the planet. I am a feel guy. I always have been by my gut, very, uh, very spontaneous kind of personality. Uh, but, but very, very driven. And so there are three things that I need to do every day. And, but these, these allow me a lot of freedom. So for you task oriented people and list people, just give me a second here to explain this. Yeah. I got to learn, do connect. Now those words are simple and broad on purpose again, because of my personality. So I set my life up in a way that I am naturally and habitually doing these three things on a daily basis. And because I'm not a list guy, I don't wake up every day and write out a list of five or seven things I've got to do. Mm. But I have figured out that uh, I can control these things through the moment I wake up till the moment I put my head on the pillow. So let me break them down. Learn, do, connect. Pretty simple to understand. Uh, I've got to learn something every day. Okay. You know, it, whether that, again, is reading five or six chapters in a biography or uh, from another book uh, or I'm in scripture every morning, uh, devotions that go along with that. Uh, I'm learning something. I'm always reading at the office. I'm reading specific stuff in my lane. Hmm. And so I'm learning every day. I've got to have something pouring into the top of my well uh, because the well is deep and you got to, you got to keep putting water in there. And yeah. so I'm learning every day. Then I want to be doing. And so now at, at, at the stage that I'm at in my life, and then for most of your listeners, they are doing, they're leading. So that's great. So to your point, you know, if you're leading and not learning, you're going to, there's going to be a problem, mm. but you, you are in the act of doing something. Now I want to make a quick point to any young leaders that you have that are listening because this is really huge. We talk about this a lot on the Ken Coleman show. If you're not in that ultimate dream job, you're not in that role, that true role of, 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 of calling, but you're on the path, you're paying your dues, if you will. There are still elements of that ultimate role that you can find a way to do every day. Now, I'll just give you a rough example here just to, to, to drive this home. Mm -hmm. Let's say that you eventually want to be a teaching pastor or a senior pastor where you're leading and, and really preparing and speaking a lot. But right now, uh, you know, you're, you're in a uh, support role or you're interning or maybe you're some type of a youth pastor or maybe you're not speaking a lot, but you're, you're just paying your dues. Well, you know, you find something that really drives your soul and you're not able to do it much in your current role. Instead of having a bad attitude about that, which a lot of young people tend to do, uh, find another avenue to get that muscle developed. So if you need yeah. to speak and you want to be speaking more and you're putting yourself in a position where you're preparing messages, find another avenue. Mm -hmm. You don't have to leave where you're at, but go speak somewhere else. Somebody will let you speak and go do it. Go prepare messages, whatever it is. So on some level, you need to be doing what it is 
that you know you were called to do, even if you're in the paying the dues stage. So I'm learning, I'm doing. And then the last one is connecting. And this is so important. And I hate the word networking because of the way it's been used and kind of the connotation by which it has is why you're chuckling right now. I don't mean this kind of go to networking events and shake as many hands as possible and, and be the used car salesman that's trying to get your name in front of as many people as possible. I'm talking about connecting. This is, could be, you know, uh, hanging out with your neighbor uh, on the porch uh, it could be just simply that, just human relationship around you. Uh, but it could be much more strategic where, uh, you know, you are uh, talking to somebody in your field and you say, hey, listen, sometime I just love to spend 30 minutes with you and ask you questions. Mm. So again, if you're in church ministry, I mean, excuse me, ministry and you're in church leadership or something like that, you ought to be intentionally trying to connect with somebody on a daily basis. Now, that may be I'm reaching out and, and and the connection didn't happen, but I'm in the act of connecting. Yeah. So every day, I think if you look at your day and go, okay, well, what do, what am I learning today? Uh, and and what am I doing today? And and how am I connecting today? I need to be doing that where I'm at. If I want to be a thought leader and build a sustainable uh, brand that is based on solid theology philosophy and methodology, I'm going to have to learn to connect every day. So I, I feel really good when I am at least contributing a significant act in each one of those buckets every that's day. So and by the way, that's very doable. It's not as intimidating as a big, long to-do list. Yeah, because even when it comes to learning, that could even include listening to a podcast like this, right? That's or, exactly right. Or listening exactly on your way right. in and out of work and, and, you know, a lot of by nature of what you do at work uh, or throughout the day, um, there, there's that aspect of it. But I love the connection point uh, that you mentioned, because especially these days where, where through social media, it, you know, a lot of us have the perception of feeling or being connected, but we're not actually connecting with others. Mm -hmm. There's that illusion that can, that can really, um, over the long haul can hurt us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's so good. So let's, uh, can transition into home life for you. What, what does that look like? Um, tell us about your family and, and what does leadership in your home look like? Yeah, I, I, uh, I chuckled this morning when I was reviewing that question and, and I've got an image for you that I think a lot of people might identify with, but, uh, before I describe leadership of the home, I'll just tell you, we've got uh, three kids. Stacey and I have been married, uh, 20 years. Okay. I will hit 21 years in May. And she's just an amazing woman. And we have three kids. Ty is 13 and Chase is 10 and Josie is 10. Okay. They're kind of a, a unique situation. We adopted both of our boys domestically and they were babies when we brought them home. And uh, when we brought Chase home, we found out the very week when we brought him home that Stacy was seven weeks pregnant. So wow. the, <laughs> we call them the littles and the littles are seven months apart. So, um, you probably get a, question marks. People being like, what? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, so anyway, uh, we, we're interesting uh, makeup and, and we, we have big fun, but we are in the throes of organized chaos yeah, for anybody that's got multiple kids. Yeah. Um, Stacy right now is working. She's a professor. She's a vice president of sales for a local company and really loves what she's doing. And so it's just crazy time. And so I read that question. And I thought, what does leadership in my home look like? I started thinking, well, 
my wife and I and how we're leading and what is it like? And I came up with this analogy. I think it's right now in this season of life, we're like guides of a whitewater raft. Mm. You know? Like, you know, have you ever been on one of those whitewater rafts before? No, I haven't. But you know, you got everybody piled in, right? Yeah. yeah. And you kind of start out and the kind of waters are calm, but they're pretty quick. And then throughout the, uh, the raft ride, it, the waters can get really, really crazy. And, you know, everybody's just holding on for dear life. And the guide is helping everybody else, hopefully, stay in the boat. Mm. He's coaching. You know, he's trying to guide and lead a little bit. And, and then he's got to make sure that he stays in the boat, too. <laughs> and it can be just crazy. And then you get a little bit of a, a break from the total, you know, choppiness that could capsize the boat. And, 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 and then it'll slow, the, the speed doesn't slow down. Yeah. You're still flying, but the waters aren't as choppy. And then boom, here it comes again and throwing you around and bouncing up against rocks. That's the best thing I can describe for us right now. Mm. And so I, you know, I feel like, you know, I've never, I've never raised a teenager. So Ty's 13. He's in seventh grade. Mm. I don't know what I'm doing. And so there are times where I'm just trying to keep myself in the boat and the whole family in the boat, you know? And then every yeah. once in a while, somebody falls out of the boat. You know, I got to get the kid back in the boat and what's going on there. So it's this uh, it's this read and react kind of leadership right now. You know, we're very intentional uh, on things, but it, it, just the speed of life, the, the day in which we live, um, all the things we're trying to protect the kids from, but also let them fail yeah. and learn from failure. Uh, it's, it's, I think that's, that's what leadership is like right now. So it's, there's not any downtime. Yeah. <laughs> well, not I'm curious. You're in the home, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I'm curious, Ken, you being the career guy, I mean, how does, I mean, in your talk show, you helping other people navigate that aspect of it, you reading, thinking, being an expert on this topic, how is that? Um, I mean, how are you processing that with your kids? Yeah, well, it's fun because they've heard this language for a while. Um, before, you know, the methodology that I shared about talents and passion. Yeah. Now, you know, the psalmist said, "You knit me together in my mother's womb," and I love that because I had a grandmother who uh, was a big. Uh, she was in the crochet, <laughs> and so we'd we'd go visit her even when she was hanging out with the family she could crochet and she wouldn't even look at what she was doing. She could have a full conversation with you, look you right in the eye and her hands never stopped. Yeah. And she had these two little, I guess they were metal tools. And she had, you know, I guess it's a yarn here that on both sides and she was just constantly, and she just knit something. She could knit a placemat in 20 minutes. It was nuts. Yeah. And so that, that's really what the psalmist is saying. There's what David is saying. And so, you know, we've talked about that a lot before there ever was a Ken Coleman show and early on, I mean, just at nighttime before bed, I was just instilling these little things. So we have the narrative set because of the nature of what I do. And now it's less about, you know, pounding that philosophy, which is based on my theology. It's now, it's now real-time teaching. So when one of the kids is struggling in a subject, I have this freedom as a parent that I don't think other parents have because of what I teach. Mm which I love that you said you're a strengths finder guy. So I'm a huge strengths guy. Mm. I think that we basically only pay attention to weaknesses Completely. for purposes of mitigation, meaning yeah. letting everyone else know that we know our weaknesses because they already know them. 
and then programming our life, literally programming our life around the weaknesses so that the weaknesses have very little hold on us and have very little effect on us and others. And most people don't live that way. In fact, we parent the opposite. We're trying to get these kids the best grades possible. And if they bring home a C in math because they struggle with math naturally, because that's not how their brain is wired, we stress out, we freak out, they feel that tension and pressure. And the reality is, is there's anxiety all over the yeah, place. 100%. And the kid's no good at math. <laughs> but Yet we're trying to make it A. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, 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 and by the way, I use this example because it's me. I dropped college algebra six times at Liberty University. Mm. I'm terrible at math. I'm awful at it. And best I can tell, uh, Daniel, our kids aren't going to do any of the math that they're doing right now in elementary and middle school. They're going to use their iPhone. <laughs> now, there are a few select percentage of kids that will use that math. But guess what? They're already really good at it, and it's a no-brainer for them. Yeah, no, that's so a good point. all that said, what I'm doing in the home is when that happens, I say, hey, if your best is a C, then mom and dad are cool with that. If your best is a D, mom and dad are cool with that. Now, we're not going to fail the course. We'll do whatever we got to do just to pass. But if a D or a C is truly, and we can identify that, and there's no, you know, there's no difficulty figuring that out. Mm -hmm. And so what it does is it takes the pressure off of our kids. And, and I remember when I first did it, it felt weird even in my own home. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you something. My kids have embraced it. And they looked at me the first couple of times like, you serious? <laughs> <laughs> and, and now they know that I'm very serious. Uh, what I require for our kids is great effort and great attitude. I parent on effort and I parent on attitude that's across good. the board. That means in their social life and in their school life. That's, that's, that's all they've got right now. Okay, That social life means including the home with mom and dad, with siblings, and then with friends and family members and all that kind of stuff. And then at school. And then uh, one other thing would be the athletic field or something like that where they're again in community, but that's part of their social life. So I am parenting on those two things, effort and attitude, because here's what I know. If I raise kids to be adults who give great effort and have a great attitude, they're already ahead of 90% of the population. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Effort and attitude. Well, and then Ken, one final thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're so young right now. So Ty's 13. Mm. So we see that he has a proclivity towards uh, drawing. Uh, so he's really gifted. He can, he, can, he can basically watch a YouTube guy, a guy on YouTube animate something. And he follows along with him and hand draws it. He's not tracing. And he's really, really good. So you know what I did? I went to one of the top designers here at Ramsey Solutions, Waylon, who designed my website. And I said, Waylon, I've seen some of your stuff around your desk. You hand sketched that? He goes, yeah. I go, when did you start doing that? He goes, I was about 12. I said, hey, what if I paid you to teach my son Ty some art lessons? Let's just see how it goes. No pressure. I'll just let you come up with the whole thing. He looked at me and Danny, he lit, he lit up like a mm. Christmas tree. And so he comes over to the house once a week and he's given Ty art lessons. That's awesome. So I'm, uh, what I'm trying to do right now is 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 fuel that that's so good now whether or not that ends up being a passion for ty we don't know yet but we know it's on his talent line and he does enjoy it so parents relax because these kids from the age of 13 to 18 are still developing and what might be a great passion at 18 may not be a great passion at 21 that's okay but if we are coaching and 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 leading them to use what they do best to do what they love to do most and say hey 
forget about stressing out about your the greatest GPA and keeping up with the other kids in class because you have a unique sweet spot that's different than theirs. And so what it has done is take the academic pressure off of our kids. Yeah. I love that intentionality. Um, so when, you know, can imagine if you're sitting across your 20 year old self for coffee, mm-hmm. um, what would you tell that 20 year old Ken about preparing to lead? Mm-hmm. I'd say, please look at me, <laughs> hear what I'm about to say. Cause it's not going to make sense right now, but I want you to trust me. Cause I've, I'm, I'm coming from the future. Trust me on this. You need to write this down and you look at it every day on your mirror before you get up. And when you get up, when you, before you go to bed, you need to remember this all day long. Even when you don't believe it, I want you to remember this and eventually you're going to understand it, but practice this. Don't just believe it, but practice this. That patience is the difference maker. Mm. Patience is the difference maker. The difference between those who end their life looking back and reminiscing versus those who end their life and they look back and they regret. Mm. Wow. It's patience. Because patience is so underrated. Uh, it is a spiritual virtue it, it, it beyond anything else. And those of us who follow Christ, this is, I think, one of the number one spiritual disciplines. Now I'm preaching to myself. So you asked the question, what would I say to 20 year old Ken? So this is just for me. But I think there's probably a lot of people out there who are like me and need to hear this. Um, I struggled so much with my faith. And I don't mean questioning God and questioning the Bible. I'm talking just, I was such a baby Christian for so long because I wouldn't embrace the spiritual discipline and the spiritual virtue of patience. Mm. Those who wait upon the Lord, we know the scripture, right? Yeah, we'll renew their strength. Yes. And what's the rest of that verse? Not just renew their strength, but mount up as wings, you know what I'm saying? Like wings of eagles, like boom. You know, this is a, so to me, I hear that verse and I go, they'll renew their strength and then they'll soar. Yeah. Now that's how I interpret that scripture. Because the eagle flies high. You just do the research on the eagle and how it flies and its path and how high it flies. And I think that the, uh, I think the writer used that analogy on purpose. So for me, I'm looking at my 20 year old self, I'm saying, now listen, perseverance is, yeah, everybody's going to talk about perseverance and hustle and all that. That gets all the sexy accolades. Oh, he persevered, persevered, persevered. But very few people in that same sentence go and had tremendous patience. Mm. But I know that men and women of great substance who have done great things for impact they didn't just persevere. They had the patience. And, and, and let, me be, let me go a step further here on this idea of patience. Patience is not the act of just sitting idly by, tapping the table, waiting for God to drop something on you. That's not it. Patience, as I'm referring to it, is I am getting up every day. I am hustling. I'm grinding. I'm persevering. I'm chopping wood. And nobody sees me. I'm in the middle of the wilderness, and I'm taking on the biggest tree, and I'm doing one cut at a time. Nobody sees it. But patience is, I'm going to persevere, make the cut, and I know that if I keep persevering, the time is coming when this tree will fall. Yeah. And I think God laughs at us. That's a good-natured laugh, but I think he laughs at us when we figure out the timeline. <laughs> we come up with a timeline. I think he's going, 
Well, you just guaranteed yourself a little extra delay. <laughs> I do. I really believe that. I really believe he does that mm. because the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. And to me, a huge part of strong, scriptural, mature faith is patience to wait upon the Lord, to do everything he's asked you to do, to do everything he's designed you to do, to do it daily and desire. You got this weird convergence of the desires of your heart that God placed on you. He placed this desire. It's burning a hole in your soul. It's so hot. It's awesome. And you're going, God, you gave me the desires of your heart. Why can't I get it? Now, why can't it happen now? Why, why can't the dream you placed on my heart become a reality now? And he's going, because there's no need for me. Yeah. If I give it to you now, I'm an order taker. And an order taking God is a God that does not require faith. But a God who makes us and requires of us to get up and persevere, pursue daily, not knowing the time, not knowing the how, you know, it's the when, when is it going to happen? We don't know. He doesn't tell us. Hmm. And a lot of times we don't even know how it's going to happen. We have a good idea, but we don't really know how it's going to happen. And so that's what I would say is that patience is the difference maker. I think it is the spiritual ingredient that when we begin to embrace patience alongside of perseverance, yeah. then we begin to step into the place of spiritual maturity where God says, okay, I can now, give you that desire because you're ready for it. I love that. Patience and perseverance. Ken, it's been a pleasure to, to have you on the show. It's it's fun being on the other side because I, I subscribe to the Entree Leadership Podcast and it's fun to hear you interview others. But then it's also, I love it when you go on and, and you speak. So it's been fun to, to hear you uh, for the last half hour talking about leadership and life. So, so Ken, well, before I'm, we um, wrap up, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about uh, the book that's coming out? Yeah, thank you very much for having me on, by the way. And I want to say, uh, not only thank you for having me on, but thank you for what you do, mm. uh, what you and this podcast and, and, and has done and are going to do. Um, it has tremendous impact that maybe you'll never know this side of heaven. I just want to say mm. uh, thank you on behalf of all your audience because it really does matter and make a difference. Mm. Thank you. Uh, the book is coming out in May. Uh, we don't have a, a dead release date to give you yet. We're working on that, but it's entitled The Proximity Principle. And uh, I, I came up with that uh, on the way to the office one day. I was preparing for a podcast like this where I was going to be the guest. And I was a young guy. And I like to say yes to the young guy's request because I remember being in their position and just think, can I get somebody on the podcast? Well, they say yes to me. So I try to say yes to everything. Mm. And he had a question uh, that he sent to me. And it was, if you could narrow it down to one thing that really made a difference in your career, uh, what would it be? And I, I remember thinking, well, that's I wouldn't ask it that way. I don't think that's a fair... And, and then I... I kind of got convicted. I was like, just, just come up. Get, get, what, what are you going to say? What's the answer? And so I'm, I got a seven, eight minute drive to work every day. And I'm, I'm at a couple stoplights and I'm thinking through this. What would I say? What would I say? What would I say? And it just hit me. The thing that made a difference, again, outside of my spiritual application, just what I personally did that I could control is that I was really good and disciplined about putting myself around the right people and in the right places. Yeah. And so, Daniel, that hits me in the stoplight. So I, I, I accelerate. By the time I got the next stoplight, I, and I, this is because, I'm gonna tell you right now, I need to confess this. This is because I worked with John Maxwell for years. He's had a tremendous influence on my life. 
I, I'm kind of going to stop playing. I go, it's the proximity principle. The proximity principle says in order to do what I want to do, I've got to be around people that are doing it and in places where it is happening. I want to mm. say that again. I'm sitting at the light and it comes to me and I don't even know if this is going to be any good. And I said, <laughs> the proximity principle, and I get my phone out and I do that quick little audio thing, you know, so you yeah, don't forget yeah. it. And I say it again. The proximity principle says in order to do what I want to do, I've got to be around people that are doing it and in places where it, what I want to do, is happening. Yeah. And that's what I did because when I'm around the right people, I'm learning and I'm connecting. And then they make recommendations, they guide, they point, they introduce, and I get in places where I can do. And then when I'm in the places where I can learn, observe, do, I'm meeting more of the right people. And it becomes this cyclical process. So I won't give it away. I just say we've got five people and five places from my journey. I was able to identify them and go, this is true of, of every successful man and woman. I was able to go back and look, yeah, this is universal. This isn't the Ken Coleman gospel. This is universal. It is absolutely uh, time-tested. And it is the way to demystify the path up to your Mount Everest, whatever the dream is that God's placed on your heart, it can be very intimidating and it ought to be. But I want people to know that it is a lot easier to understand what the path might be if Mm. you practice the proximity principle, because when I'm putting myself around the right people and in the right places, um, God uses those people in those places to train us and to prove us and to lift us and to propel us. So, that in essence, you're going to meet five people that you need to be around and five places that you need to be in. And then we go through some some practices that when you're around these people and in these places, this is how you maximize those opportunities. Really simple book, but I think it's going to, uh, I'm believing that it's going to help so many people and take the big mystical fear out of pursuing what God has for you. I love that. I love that. Well, uh, if you're up for it, we'll definitely have to have you back on the show to to talk about I the book. I would love that. I would love it. It'd be great. Thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thanks again, Ken, for being on the show with us. And uh, you'll in the show notes, we'll put links to the Ken Coleman show, Entree Leadership, to your upcoming book, and everywhere else that people can find you. Thanks, Ken. Absolutely, man. It was great fun. Weren't you sad you missed that, Todd? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's not even fair. <laughs> But I had a really, I would have, I wouldn't miss that for anything. But yeah. unfortunately, you guys were like 10 minutes in by the time I got here. And I didn't yeah. want to no, mess good. up your flow. <laughs> no, it was good. And it was fun to be on the other side because a lot of times Ken is the one doing the interviewing. Right. If you've listened to the Entree Leadership Podcast. So it was fun to just hear about his life and his leadership and and. Uh, what that, um, how he is living that out. So be sure to subscribe to his podcasts and, and listen to him everywhere that you can listen to him on. Well, before we wrap up, I did want to mention the One Thing podcast. Now, Scott Sanders, Derek Hanna, they're part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Right. <laughs> right, <laughs> right from <laughs> down under. Uh, so the cool thing about the One Thing podcast is as much as they're... Yeah, all the Australians hate <laughs> us now. <laughs> Well, as much as um, they are talking from the Australian context, 
uh, you're going to be hearing one practical leadership principle uh, that has gospel for gospel centered ministry in each of their episodes. So be sure to look up the one thing on your favorite podcasting app. Subscribe today and uh, text the word blueprint to the number 888-111 to learn more about our blueprint conference. Coaching. Coaching. <laughs>